Welcome to the Thriving Forward podcast. Now to introduce your hosts. Hi, I'm Megan Laspinera. I'm the founder and executive director of Kids Thrive 585 Inc. and a pediatrician in Rochester, New York. And I'm Sarah Collins McGowan. I'm also a pediatrician here in Rochester, and I teach community health and advocacy to pediatric residents. In each episode, we will speak with people involved in good works and projects in the greater Rochester area. We hope that by introducing you to these inspirational people and their stories, you will be motivated to learn more about these amazing organizations in our region and the fabulous people who keep them working. Hi, everyone. I'm here today with Monica Thomas and Joanne Lathan from Crisis Nursery, a program of the Center for Youth that provides free temporary child care to families in crisis. Monica is the program manager for Crisis Nursery and Joanne is the assistant manager. Monica and Joanne, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. You're welcome. Thank you. So we always start our interviews with a getting to know you question. Um, So I'm going to ask you, what's something that you've been into lately? It could be anything. Uh, Maybe Monica, I'll start with you. Ooh, well, what I, you said anything. So I just recently returned from Las Vegas. Uh, I was there on a five day, four night, five day um, trip, mini trip. Wow. That sounds amazing. Very much so. It's my second time there. Did you win anything big? Yeah, you know, I won, but like most people, I gave it back. (laughs) How about you, Joanne? I have not been to Vegas or anywhere, actually. Um, Really, what I've been focusing on a lot in the last probably year is reconnecting with people that I haven't been able to see through COVID, family, friends, um, people from here, people from out of town. So I've done a lot of that, a lot of socialization in the last probably six months or so. That's great. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned in the intro, Crisis Nursery is under the umbrella of the Center for Youth, um, and it's a really unique and amazing resource here in Rochester. Um, So maybe, Monica, if I could ask you to start by just kind of explaining the mission of Crisis Nursery and a little bit about how it works. Well, um, so we started back in 2006. It started out with two uh, ladies. Uh, business women and the hours were sporadic. So it wasn't a 24 hour, seven day a week service. It was just like maybe anywhere from five to 10 hours a week. But basically what we hear, we do here at the center is we provide temporary care for babies and children during a family crisis, as well as referrals to the parents and caregivers that uh, help them resolve and move beyond difficult situations. Really, you don't have to have any sort of referral. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call us. So could you give some examples maybe of like why a family might need the resources of Crisis Nursery? What kinds of things you see come up? Um, really, I want to say our biggest support is Strong Hospital, U of R. Uh, so a lot of things actually this week, uh, we have a mom that's having a baby. Um, so they have a six-year-old. We're going to be watching their kid free of charge while she's in the hospital with her husband. So it's that sort of thing, mental health appointments, uh, medical appointments, domestic violence, or just a simple respite. And right now you have two locations, right? You've got one house on Genesee Park Boulevard and then one in the Beachwood neighborhood over on Rosewood Terrace. Um, yes, uh, Joanne, maybe can you describe like what the houses are like inside? Because I think for 
people who don't know, they might think of more of a center-based thing, but it's really a very homey sort of welcoming place. Right. It's um, If you're familiar with the houses in the city in the 19th Ward and over Beachwood neighborhoods, they're just big colonials. Um, not bit, not real big, but um, our house is three bedrooms, one and a half baths. Um, just got the gumwood trim. It's just very homey. It's like walking into some your, somebody's house. We have a full kitchen. Nothing is um, sterile, looking sterile, looking at all. It's very lived in. Um, a lot of stuff for the kids. A lot of whatever they need, we have here. They don't have to come with anything at all, except if they have a favorite blanket or a toy or something they want to bring. But we don't need them to bring anything. They can just come. And we'll take care of everything else. We put them all their meals. And if they have to stay, there's there's beds for them to stay, bathe, everything. We have it all just like a home. And they're really nestled right into a neighborhood. I mean, you could walk yes. right by and not even know that that's what this house is for. Right. What age range of kids do you see or do you accept? We've gone anywhere from two days old um, with the doctor's note. Hopefully, if it's a, an emergency, we will make it work um, to 15, but we do go up to 17 as long as they have a younger sibling. And for those kids who are school-aged, are they still able to go to school while they're staying with you? How does that work? Now, usually to start, like if a parent were to call this morning and say, I've got an appointment, my eight-year-old needs to come to you while I go. Well, our response back is, why aren't they in school? So we tend not to take during the day, we tend not to take kids if they're supposed to be in school. Um, for the most part, it works. Some kids, we do get the, the answer back, well, I homeschool them. So in the case of they, if they're, if mom is telling us that they're homeschooled, then we do ask um, the mom to bring their laptop, whatever they need to do their work while they're here so that they have, they can continue on with their education while they're here and just not take the day off. His mom has an appointment. So we do ask that too, that they bring that. And I think when you talked a little bit about the different reasons why children might come to stay with you, it's clear that there's there would be different lengths of time. Some might just be there for a couple of hours and some might be there for several days. Right. Um, and so I imagine that would make a difference too um, if they're there longer term in terms of those kinds of arrangements. Right. Well, and we also, if, the, if it's a longer stay, we do, we want to keep the kid in their routine. So we will transport to and from school. And how many kids might you be able to have in one of the houses at any one time? Six. It's not a big house. Uh, I've often thought about why not have a bigger, but then it wouldn't be as homey. Homey, yeah. And personal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and can you talk a little bit about how you're staffed? Because you have both like some employed staff, but then you also rely a lot on volunteers as well. Um, we have about 35 plus volunteers. Pre-COVID, we had 50 plus. Um, so we're building back up. Um, I have one part time and about 20 relief and four full time. Um, so our volunteers, we use them between the hours of 8 a.m. and 12 a.m., so the way it works is like downstairs right now, we have two, eight to 12 noon, and then we have a 12 to four that comes in, just one. And then we have a four to 8 p.m. and an 8p to 12a that are on call. And uh, my relief staff are four to 12 and overnights, which is 12 to eight. And then, you know, like myself and Joanne, we're here Monday through Friday, sometimes the weekends, seven to three, seven to four, whatever is needed. 
And Joanne, you mentioned that there's, you know, a full kitchen and everything in the homes. Um, how, where does the food come from that you provide the kids? Are people, you know, making meals, cooking meals? Are you partnering with somebody for that? Most of our food we get from Foodlink. And we do go grocery shopping occasionally if we need extra food. And then whatever staff is on or volunteer, whoever's here that wants to cook can cook. Um, if, you know, we have, we have two freezers, so we have, we have plenty of food. We try to ask the kids what they like to have. I usually tell them that this is not a restaurant. So because they want to sit down and they, they list things that they want. But um, yeah, so everybody chips in for that. Everybody cooks and helps and cleans and does everything. I have to tell my kids the same thing. <laughs> but I love that, that. I mean, I think that really contributes to, again, that hominess where, you know, people are making meals together and making meals for the kids and sitting and eating. Right. Um, and you also mentioned that, you know, whatever they might need, you have as well. And do you accept donations from people? Are there particular items that, you know, are often in, in need for the kids who are staying with you? I think you've been in the attic, right? Okay. So I have, you, yeah. <laughs> You're you extremely well-organized attic. <laughs> you know that we're not short on clothes. We have, we have a lot of clothes up there. Um, you know, it's, we always, we do take certain sizes at some points, but a lot of times we do have to tell people and just direct them towards another organization or another organ or another part of our organization that they can bring clothes to diapers, formula, all those types of things. We always take those. You can never have enough diapers or wipes, as Monica says. But um, yeah, so we take that that type of thing and gifts, you know, anything new, monetary donations and stuff like that, that we can use for gifts for the kids, um, like at the holidays. So, um, but closers, it's not, not anything that we really need, unless it's winter coats. We do take, we have a group that donates winter coats every year, which is great. You might want to talk about the holiday, the or wish list for companies. Oh, you know more about. <laughs> we usually pick about uh, anywhere from five to ten families per house, and we try to find companies that are willing to um, buy for those families. Most of our families can't afford, uh, you know, a nice Christmas. So our companies will go out. Uh, we'll get the list from the parents, the sizes, what kind of toys the kid might like. And then they will go out and purchase. And this year, I think uh, we had volunteers deliver because it kind of feels really nice for them. So we're, we're going to do that this year also. Monica, you mentioned earlier, too, that you don't really need any kind of special referral, um, but that obviously also you, you partner quite a bit with the hospital. How do families find their way? I mean, do they self-refer or is it usually coming from somebody who's aware of the resource and connecting you guys? Actually, yeah, we have a lot of people because this is not so new. This this nursery, Owen's House is, uh, I think, been on the market for two years now. Yeah. So a lot of people know, but if they don't know, we have the Center for Youth website. Uh, we're on Facebook. And if uh, people are interested in volunteering, they can uh, call Kathy Cummings at the Center for Youth at 585-473-2464. And she will hook you up, you know, up with not just the crisis nurseries. If they don't want to work with little ones, they can you know, we had the homeless 
shelter for youth. We have the young men's program. We have the pregnant slash teen mom program. Uh, we got the TLP program. There's the rapid rehousing. There's actually so many programs within the center that'll fit. And we also have um, host homes where a family can open up their home for children to live with them. For like a short period of time, not, you know, longer, not than, longer than what we could give them, but right. just like mom or dad or somebody has to get on their feet for a few months or whatever, they can possibly do that. But back to the, to I think a, when, I, when we do phone screenings, most people, I, a lot of people say that they just heard it from somebody else. I have a friend, yeah. my mother, my mother's friend or somebody. So there's like, the word is out, um, but there is a lot of people that have never heard of it also. So we count on you guys too, when you come here to spread the word. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to shift for a second if I can and ask you both a little bit more about your own background and how you came to doing this work. So um Joanna, I was reading your little bio that you sent ahead of time and you have a background in all sorts of things, um, like kind of interesting work. How did you find your way to Center for Youth and, and more recently with Crisis Nursery? Well, what happened with me is I, I've never worked for a non-for-profit until now. Um, and when my mom passed away, I started at, I went to the ARC and worked in a, um, a group home there for a couple of years because I just felt like I needed to get out of bed and put my feet on the floor every day. So I did that, but that was pretty draining to say the least. So I talked to Kathy Cummings and I started, um, well, actually, no, I start. I was over at the men's house, the, the young men's house with two of my friends every Tuesday night for a year, bringing them food and trying to just mentor them and talk to them, you know, about their lives. Um, and that kind of went after a little bit, the guys just kind of never showed up at the table anymore. So the three of us had moved on and I moved over here and um, started volunteering with Faith. And then Monica came and I was here so often through COVID. She's like, why don't you just be a relief staff? And I said, it's kind of defeating the purpose, you know, because then you get paid. <laughs> but I was here every day with her, Monday through Friday from 8 to 12, all through COVID. We never closed. So then I started relief and then the um, manager or the assistant manager gave her notice in March. And then I decided, well, maybe I'll just do that. I'm here all the time, but I, I have my associate brokers. So that's kind of like, you know, still with me, but the passion is here and it's in my heart. So I just decided to do it and I can do this until I'm 90, let's be honest, <laughs> you know, but, you know, be a grandma, watch kids hang out. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it's, it was a great decision for me. And Monica, you're sort of the opposite. You have a long history of working in the nonprofit world, including a, a couple of decades at, at Villa for Hope, um, working with at-risk teenage moms. So how did you first get into nonprofit work and what was your journey like to get to Crisis Nursery? Actually, I started, oh gosh, I'm, at my, I'm a military brat, as most people say. So over in Europe, I was, you know, started out working just in the office and then from there, I uh, went to college on a basketball scholarship and did um, worked at the YMCA with just young kids. So from there, it's always been my passion to want to help, and I'm good at it. So it's like I, I've just never veered from that path. And how I got here to Rochester, a couple of my friends, because I went to Kansas Wesleyan University, came here to Roberts Wesleyan University, and I kind of followed them up here. And I still stayed in the rec field, um, worked with the Paul with at-risk uh, young moms and uh, teen boys, 
And then the villa bought them out. And that's where I was for 26 years. And then, you know, I also work at St. Paul Starbridge uh, with high functioning adults. Um, that's what I do now. It's just, you know, you have to have the compassion for it. There's just really no, it's, you can't be in it for the money. No. <laughs> that is, I mean, that's why a lot of us that are working in the nonprofit field have to have three jobs. Three jobs, yeah. But I, you know, I love what I do and I always have. And so it's great. Yeah, I think, you know, what you're saying, I, this work is so impactful and rewarding, but then also draining. And um, I guess as as you've been working, you know, in the nonprofit world, do you have any advice that you like to give people who are interested in doing similar work or, um, you know, something that somebody told you at some point that's been helpful? I mean, I talk to people about it a lot. I really do. I mean, you really have to follow your heart. It's got to be in your heart. You have to have a passion for it. Because if you don't have a passion for it, then you get, you get, you know, because again, like Monica said, I mean, it's, you're not doing it for the money. And just so you know, I don't work three jobs because I'm too old for that. <laughs> These guys can do that. I, I'm way past that. But I mean, you really cannot be in it for money. You have to be in it for the kids and for the parents. And you have to be extremely non-judgmental, which, you know, you can get caught up in that too, because, you know, you see a lot of different walks of life, but, um, if you have the pay, no matter what your passion is, if you have a passion, just go for it. You know, I just, I, money isn't everything. That's just the way I look at it. Just doesn't. Can't, can't take, take it with you. you. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I won't have any to take with me. I'd say, you know, just to ride on her coat strings there, it's, you have to have the compassion and the drive. If you don't have that, you might as well find something else. It's just this type of job and, I think we both, we both love our jobs, you know, actually I love it more here than I did at the villa only because it was different there. They were court placed here. It's volunteer. Mm. So, you know, if uh, a police officer or CPS calls us and says, you know, we're bringing a child to you. Uh, no, you can't. Not until we get the permission from the parent. I mean, that's, that's a big, we want the parents to trust us, the community to trust us. Yeah, that's huge that you can build those relationships with with the, the whole family, even while you're caring for the children. Right, right. You guys talked about food link providing food. Are there other community organizations here that you regularly partner with in any way? For food? Center for Youth has so many different things <laughs> under yeah. its umbrella too. But I think that well, a lot of food gets brought to the Center for Youth and diapers and stuff like that, and then they'll let us know there's stuff over there if you want to go pick it up. I don't really know where it's coming from. Did you know? I think just it's just private sick. donations. Just private donations that they'll yeah. just drive over there and drop a bunch of stuff off because they don't know the, you know, the, the separate locations, and then they reach out to whoever, whatever house might have the need for the stuff. But Food Link is, you know, we get most of our stuff from there. Fashion Week starts tonight. I don't know if you know Fashion Week. Yeah, will you, will you talk a minute about Fashion Week? I think by the time this airs, it'll it'll have been passed, but it's like such an amazing event. Um, so maybe you could just spend a minute like, or two talking it's about It's a it. huge event. It used to be downtown underneath a tent outside. It was just a coolest venue. Now this year it's at the Dome Arena. So it's going to be a different venue than the outside, but I'm sure it's going to be just as wonderful. It's just, it's a beautiful event to um, raise money for the Center for Youth. It's our biggest fundraiser. And it's, there's a lot of, um, you know, people that, you know, the tables aren't cheap. So it's, you know, you have big companies and 
large groups that come in and buy these tables and um the the people that are in the fashion show they're just it's really the, the year that i went to it was all firemen and police officers the night that i went it was phenomenal so it's just a really enjoyable night it's a really cool way to meet a bunch of people from you know the city that are into you know giving back to the city so it's fun and elaine spall who's the ceo of the center for you she's just a an amazing woman who is you know, just she brings the whole outside in and she makes it. I mean, it's not just I mean, she's a big part of it because Kathy Cummings, who has all her volunteers come to, to help through this event and staff and people from all walks of life. So it's just I mean, I'm going on um, Thursday, this Thursday with um, some of our parents that, you know, sir, uses use our services. And um, I think it's just going to be an amazing experience for them. And we're watching their kids. So it's like they get to just let their hair down. Before I ask you my last question, say again, website, you know, social media, how people get in contact with Center for Youth, with Crisis Nursery specifically. Just call that stuff out again. Centerforyouth.net um, website. You just go to Crisis Nursery or nurseries, and you uh, can read about, actually, you can read about every program that we have to offer. And if you want to volunteer, you would call 585-473-2464 and speak with Kathy Cummings. Um, the Facebook, if they want to call here, which is located on Genesee Park Boulevard, our number is 585-235-5750. And Owen's house, which is off of Culver, is uh, 482-2561, area code 585. All right. So my last question then for both of you is, what's your favorite thing about Rochester? You want me to go first? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I, really, I really do truly mean this. I, my favorite thing about Rochester is the people of Rochester, because I just think the people in Rochester are extremely friendly, because I've been to a lot of cities and traveled a lot, lived in a lot of places, and um, extremely generous, extremely gen generous with, with how they reach out to people and help people and donate. I just think Rochester's huge on um, giving back to the community. And the food here is pretty good, too. <laughs> Good restaurants in Rochester. <laughs> Which is part of what your background is in, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Huge part of my life. <laughs> so you know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. One thing I forgot to mention is Child Care Council. I'm not from Rochester, but I've been here for an awful long time. Actually, I drove up from Kansas the year of the ice storm. was wondering why nobody was on the roads. I had no idea. Um, so I'm going to have to say the seasons because you just can't go anywhere and get a taste of everything it's either all hot or cold but we get a little bit of everything so i'm gonna have to say the seasons love it it's a great answer <laughs> um well as we wrap up i just want to say that um listeners of this podcast will know that i co-direct a rotation for pediatric residents called pediatric links to the community where you know these young doctors spend a couple of weeks getting out into the community and learning about different resources that we have and crisis nursery of course has been a longtime partner of ours um and the residents love visiting so much so that this year they voted to award Crisis Nursery our annual uh, advocacy award for outstanding teaching um, and excellence in caring for the children of Rochester. So 
had the honor of meeting you both in person recently and getting to see uh, again, I have been before, but not in a long time, that beautiful house on Genesee Park Boulevard um, and see some very happy kids who are benefiting tremendously right, right. from all the work that you do. Um, so thank you so much for talking with me today. And thanks for all that you're doing every day. Thank you. Thank we you. appreciate you guys. Thanks for joining us for this episode. The Thriving Forward podcast is brought to you by Kids Thrive 585 Inc., the Huckelman Center at the University of Rochester, and Rochester Regional Health. Our producer is Sam Polizzi. If you're looking to learn more about today's guest, head over to kidsthrive585.org and click on the podcast link. If you know someone who should be featured on the show, email us at thrivingforwardpodcast at gmail.com. Please take a few moments to follow us on Facebook at Thriving Forward Podcast and to leave a review on your favorite podcast streaming platform. Your review will help new listeners find us and allow us to continue connecting you with these phenomenal stories. See you next time. The views, information, and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of their employers or funders.